Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Who's ready for some hoops? I know I am because it's been a disappointing season for the Spartans on the football field. But as always, with the new season comes new hope. Plenty of questions for Tom Izzo's team heading into the 2022-23 season. Once again, there appears to be no clear superstar on the court, but the roster does boast a talented bunch of experienced players as well as some intriguing freshmen. Michigan State will need every ounce of potential from its roster early on as it faces what is, for my money, the toughest non-conference schedule I've ever seen. We will get to it all on episode 91 of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast, uh, Michigan State Basketball Preview. Uh, Brandon Champion here with Kyle Austin on Friday, November 4th, 2022. And Kyle, we're almost there. Are you uh, dreaming of of San Diego and Feast Week and 9 p.m. tips and champagne yet? <laughs> uh, maybe San Diego, uh, not the 9 p.m. champagne tip. Um, but yeah, getting uh, getting ready for it. Feels like it's been a long wait this year. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm pumped for it as well. Uh, college basketball, man. I know some people, you know, the hardcore football people like to point out how, oh, the season needs to start later. Football stealing all the thunder. And, you know, that might be true for some people. But I think for us hoop heads, you know, I kind of like the little crossover period when you got the, you know, the non-conference games and some unique matchups and the early season tournaments and, you know, those football people, if they're not paying attention, that's fine by me. But I think they under, they kind of overstate how little people care about the early parts of basketball because there's plenty of people who do, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously um, the, the hoop heads are into it. And I, I, I do, I, I mean, I like, there's not a lot of good opening week matchups, I feel like, across the sport, but um, obviously Michigan State uh, is in its share. So, yeah, that's not Michigan State's fault, Kyle. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys could please like, rate, and review the podcast, it'd be very much appreciated. You can find our work at slash Spartans. Kyle's had a lot of uh, stuff about, uh, after the exhibition game and also plenty of preview stuff leading up to the season and even over the summer when I he was breaking down players. But let's do that on this pod in case people have forgotten. Uh, there's only 10 guys on the roster, Kyle. So I think we can kind of. Scholarship guys, guys. yeah, scholarship guys, I should say. Uh Um, So I think we can kind of break these just just the team down, you know, sort of player by player before sort of expanding the scope and sort of talking about the season uh, from a bigger picture, maybe even from a Big Ten level. Um, So let's start with the guards. Uh, AJ Hogard is the first guy I want to talk about here. A lot of lot of hope for Hogard coming into the season for him to take another step as both a leader on the court to make better, smarter, under control decisions on the court. Um, But you know. this team should start with AJ Hogard and Tyson Walker, who we can talk about sort of in a second, but uh, how do you view Hogard in terms of his importance to this team this year? I mean, he's critically important. I mean, I think a point guard always is, but 
you think about him, it's really the first time, I think I said this, since Cassius Winston left that they've had an established, like no doubt starter at point guard heading into a season. You know, we had the the kind of Rocket Watts Foster lawyer, um, you know, trying to figure that out. And then, you know, Hogarth's been on the roster for the last two seasons, but it really wasn't until March of last year. I thought that he really kind of solidified himself and and made it clear like he he's the guy going forward. So um, I, you know, and I thought he did that by uh, cutting down on turnovers, making better decisions. He was kind of a turnover machine for a while there, but I think, um, I think he's reined that in a little bit, uh, and and just a tremendous passer. Uh, the the the, um, the guys that he sees, you know, he's he sees stuff before anybody else does. He zips passes right to shooters in the corner. He he's really good at, um, especially on the fast breaks. He kind of gets right into the middle of that defense. And, and just makes a good read, uh, whether it's, you know, finding a guy open in the corner, turning around, finding an open guy, at the three point line behind him, or if it's there, you know, he can get to the hoop and do it himself. So um, I think he's got good vision. Um, and I think he's taking care of the ball better. And he's a better defender um, than a lot of um, than a lot of guys. I mean, he's got the size, first of all, uh, but probably bigger point guard than the last several that they've had, I'd say, um, just mm-hmm. as far as his frame, I think he can. Um, I think he can stay in front of guys and, and use his size. He's actually down, I think, about 10 pounds, but he's still got pretty good, um, pretty good wide frame for a guard. So uh, a lot of positives. I think Michigan State feels better about its point guard situation. Um, like I said, than any time since the um, since Cassius Winston left. The big question about him is, is he going to be able to hit shots? Uh, mm-hmm. because he's you know he can run the court he can get to the hoop um he really has not been a three-point shooting threat I think he was at like 21 percent last year that's been the biggest thing in the offseason he's you know like every player in his situation says I've worked on it it's going to be better but we'll see but if he can start hitting shots um and getting defenses to play him all the way out to the three-point line I think that changes things a lot for Michigan State Mm-hmm. And 4.8 uh, assists per game last year. That's the second highest returning mark in the Big Ten. So you mentioned his passing ability. He did knock down a couple shots in that exhibition game, which I think was encouraging for Michigan State. And then the only other thing with him, man, is just playing under control. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw a couple times in the uh, in the uh, exhibition against Grand Valley where he's trying to take guys on one on five and you just look over to Izzo and he's throwing his head up and throwing his hands up because that's been a constant with AJ Hilgard is sometimes he tries to make a little too much happen. It hey, plays outside of his abilities. Here's the thing. The last thing about AJ, we got 10 guys to go through, but yep. he, he's, he's kind of a cocky guy. Um, I, sure. I think fans will get a little bit better sense of his personality this year. Now that he'll be talking, you know, speaking a little bit more, but um, you know, he's got a lot of confidence, um, especially now that he's kind of taken over the starting job, um, you know, not afraid to go out there and, and stir things up a little bit. And I think you can see that on the court. So I, I think the, um, the kind of the give and take with him and Izzo is, Izzo likes his guards, you know, confident to a little bit cocky. Um, and, and he likes the, you know, um, he's not going to back down from anybody, but like you said, you can't be going one on five, then be so confident. So it's like play with that confidence, but be smart about it too. I think that's kind of uh, where he's got to be. Mm-hmm. His running mate in the backcourt is Tyson Walker. He, the transition year coming over from Northeastern is in the rear view. He, you know, had a whole year in the big 10. He should be more comfortable this year. Average 4.3 assists in his own right. Uh, I think we expect him to play more off ball this year, which I think personally could lead to him being one of the leading scorers on the team. I almost picked him. I I have predictions on MLive.com today and I picked Malik Hall to lead the team in scoring, but I almost picked Tyson Walker because I agree. I think, (laughs) 
Um, I think he's going to score a lot more points this year than he did last year. Uh, he's not going to be um, for two reasons. One, he's not going to be running the point as much. Um, so I think he's going to be looking for a shot more and shooting the exhibition. It, it felt like, you know, early, several of the plays were called for him. Um, you know, him coming off screens and pin downs and stuff like that. I think the offense is going to be creating more shots for him. Um, and, you know, the other reason is that I think he's not going to be timid like he was last year. You know, he was a guy last year that was moving up a level in college basketball, was with a new program, um, you know, the only transfer on the team. So I think he he didn't really know his place and he he kind of defaulted to um, to passing, uh, which which isn't the worst thing in the world. But I think now he's a lot more comfortable. I think he knows he belongs at this level. I think he knows the system and where he is. And I, I think he's going to be taking more shots and. Um, first half of the exhibition, I thought he was, he was their best player. I think, you know, Malik Hall scored more points, but I thought he was their best player overall in the exhibition. He, he brought a lot of energy. I think he had five or six steals. Um, mm-hmm. so really kind of all over the port court jitterbug type guy. But I, I think the move to more off ball, you still got to play some point guard, but I think the move to more off ball, he shot 47% from three last year. Like you want a guy like that shooting more than he did. So I think it's going to benefit him and it's going to benefit the team. Absolutely. And another strong uh, perimeter defensive player. And we know Tom Izzo yeah. likes that. So uh, Jade Nakins currently been dealing with a foot injury, but I believe you reported yesterday he has returned to practice, at least in a limited fashion. One of the you know top top 65 freshmen coming out of his class in 2021, local kid from Farmington. I mean, he's he's got his ceiling is probably the highest of anyone on the team. He's got, you know, great hops. He's very athletic. I think he's easily the most athletic guy on the team. Um, Solid defender can score in multiple ways, create his own shot. Uh, If Michigan State is going to take a step this year, I think it's because Jade Nakins also takes a step. Yeah, um, he, he probably, well, just first we'll do the injury. I mean, he, he practiced Thursday really for the first time. And um, now it's just kind of a wait and see it. But if he's able to be pain-free um, going forward, they, they want to practice him Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If he's able to do all that, uh, he'll play Monday in the opener. Um, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they just play it safe, um, you know, back him off a little bit and shoot for Friday. That wouldn't, so I wouldn't freak out if he's not on the court on Monday. He really hasn't had any setbacks. I know everyone keeps bringing up Josh Langford, but um, he, he has, he's had no pain. He's had no setbacks. This is, he's just going through the process, but he should be out there the opening week of the season. Um, and then, yeah, when he is, you know, we haven't seen him at all practice or the exhibition, but before that, I think he got more praise from Tommy Joe and the coaching staff than any other player on the roster, um, just as far as how much he developed, how hard he worked. Um, I, I mean, he was like a fan favorite last year, I felt like, because okay, he'd come in, provide a ton of energy. He'd have the those highlight. I mean, he's the best dunker on the team, and he's not a big guy. He's just got amazing mm-hmm. jumping ability, athleticism, would always have a highlight reel player, too. Um, and But it felt like they never really found a role for him last year. You know, they had, you know, you had Gabe Brown and Max Christie who were wings and needed a lot of shots and a lot of minutes. So it was, he had a lot of potential, but they just couldn't really figure out what to do with him. Um, So he did not take many shots. His numbers were low, but um, I think they were encouraged by him and his role except for maybe Monty Sissoko, I think is stepping up more than anybody on the team. So it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you got to be different if you're going to go from a off the bench, couple minutes a game energy guy to 
uh, I think a starter when he's healthy and um, and a guy who's going to be playing a major role. So we'll see how he adjusts to that, but he certainly got all the tools. And I think Izzo even said he thought he should have played him more last year. Um, which, yeah. Who's making that decision, Tom? Right. Um, <laughs> Classic. Which, Classic which and we should say, like, I, you know, as long as we're talking about all these guys, like, I, I, I do think you could start either Walker or Aikens at the two. I, I think they'll do Aikens just because – then, you know, Walker's the guy who's got to play both spots. Well, I think that gives him a little bit more flexibility coming off the bench um, to be able to do both. Um, but but to me, that's those three are kind of three starting caliber point guard shooting guards. Aikens did play point guard, except I don't think he's going to have to for this team. Mm-hmm. And then another point guard on the roster, he's a top 80 freshman from Minnesota. That's Trey Holloman. We saw a bit of him in the... Uh, in the exhibition played extended minutes with Aikens out uh, held his own, no turnovers, three assists, three rebounds uh, played some solid ball defensively. I think we talked about him last pod. So we probably don't need to get into him too much. Wouldn't expect to see a whole lot of him at, at the point this year or really in the rotation at all, assuming Aikens is healthy, but he does seem like a guy who can at least come in and, and hold his own. If you know, the guards get into foul trouble. Yeah, I think that's what he'll be. He's one of um, he's really one of two scholarship guys that I think will be outside the primary playing rotation. You know, could be like you know, like remember Pierre Brooks last year would kind of get that one stint in the first half, or you know, he could be something like that just to give some guys a blow. But um, for the most part, I think this is going to be a developmental year for him, and um, you know, they like his potential. Uh, we did get to see extended time of him in the exhibition because uh, Jaden Akins didn't play and. You know, I thought he played smart and within himself. Uh, he's a smart kid. Um, uh, seems to have a good head on his shoulders. So I think he'll have a bright future, but I wouldn't expect to see a, a ton of them this year. Moving on to sort of more of the, I guess you could call them wing players. I don't know, positionless basketball these days, Kyle. It's, it's a little bit harder. <laughs> I, to, I uh, combine like the two and the three wings, honestly, on this team. Yeah, so I mean, anyone who's not a point guard is a wing at this point, you know? Right. So it's like, um, but, you know, we'll talk about Pierre Brooks. He's a guy you just mentioned, got got a little bit of run in games last year. Um, you know, Tom, I, I know, talked about multiple times in the season, wanting to get him more uh, playing time. It just, you know, with, with the wings you just mentioned on the roster, it didn't really work out that much. He only averaged, you know, just under four points a game. But, you know, he was a big time scorer here in Michigan in high school. And, you know, he, he seems like he's lost some weight this year. And he's another guy where if he can, you know, step up his game, get the jump between freshman and sophomore year, he's a guy that could help this team. Yeah, you know, tough transition for him. I mean, he was um he, he actually played kind of a lower level of high school basketball in Michigan. So he was really like the dude on that team and in a lot of his games and you know, going from that to um to kind of the last guy, really scholarship guy in the playing rotation, I think I think was tough, but um uh he, he's coming back this year, should have a bigger role. Um we were reminded anybody who made it out to the Moneyball program, he won MVP honors out there. So reminder that um, he can score the rock. I think he averaged 40 a game, um, but but he shot the ball really well with confidence. And we didn't get to see him shoot a lot last year. But I think it was a reminder that he can be um, one of many on this team above average shooters. And um, he's also got good size. You know, we talked about Hogarth having good size. I mean, Tommy Tom Zerk talked about even – um, playing him down a power forward in some small lineup. So I think he'll be able to defend bigger guys, be a little versatile. Uh, I think his ball handling has, has got to develop a little bit more. I think that's kind of the weak spot. Um, but this team has a lot of ball handlers. So they don't need him to do that. But, you know, good shooter, should be good defender, work on his ball handling, and I think he could have a good year. He only attempted 11 threes last year. I mean, he wasn't on the court that much, so that's not right. that surprising. But he's another guy that I think that, 
as his confidence grows, I think his game will will develop because uh, he gets out there sometimes and he has a little deer in the headlights going on. You can see it at times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he gets lost on defense. So just a guy I think who needs more seasoning and playing time. Two guys who have had plenty of seasoning and playing time are Joey Hauser and Malik Hall. And these are two guys who basically were sharing. I mean, we can sort of talk about them in tandem, but because they were basically sharing the position last year. And then, you know, as the center position sort of, uh, would be inconsistent. We saw a lot of small ball. I think we could see that again this year, but specifically with Joey Hauser, um, he's the, he's a veteran leader on this team. I, I think Tom has openly said that both of these guys didn't handle COVID very well. You didn't think that they uh, really went through all that. So last year we saw Joey come out at the end of the year, rough start at the beginning of the year, but Joey Hauser is a guy who needs to make shots and score in multiple ways for this team. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised we're talking about Joey Hauser here because he seemed like a guy who was dead set on leaving and um, decided to come back and give it another year. So, um, yeah, I mean, a guy that um, I, I think it's good for him that he kind of ha- finally has his own position and doesn't have a guy really of equal um, equal ability right there with him. Um, and, and he kind of knows that he's the guy at power forward. Um, yeah, and if they can get the Joey Hauser from March, you know, the guy – um, who played in that Davidson game and, and lit it up. Uh, obviously, I think that was a favorable matchup for him size-wise. But um, when he's playing and shooting with confidence, I mean, having a 40% three-point shooter at your power forward spot um, is, is a boon to have. Um, he, he's a good – he's a really good passer for a front court player too. So I think they can do some interesting things within the offense as far as getting him the ball. They've even talked in the fast break about using him. So um, – so, um, you know, he's going to be a key part of the um, part of this team. It, defense, I, I think it's improved. I mean, he's not a plus defender um, by any means, but I think he's he's gotten better to the point where it's not like a liability. Like there were there was a stretch out there where he was looking lost pretty regularly. And I think he's he's mostly past that. He, he He's never going to have a standout athleticism, you know, to shut guys down. But I think he's he's gotten to the point now where um, where he can hold his own there. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, Joey Howard, it's always seemed very, very mental with him. Uh, like he's got the abilities. Um, you mentioned the COVID thing. Um, he, he's been open about that COVID was tough for him um, and affected his on-court play, um, not only in the, the the real shutdown season, but last season too. So, I mean, if he can pick up where he left off last year and play with confidence and shoot the ball, um, he'll be a key guy for them. But, uh, you know, we, we're all – We've all been kind of waiting for the, for Joey Hauser for a while. Um, so we're, you know, I hope we get to see it now. Uh, over 40% from three last year. So another guy who can knock down the long shot. <clears throat> Excuse me. You mentioned in transition, we've seen a lot of those where Joey's trailing and then he'll hit a three at the top of the, the three-point arc. Uh, he seems to like that shot. But yeah, a guy who's going to need to score and rebound for this team this year yeah. because they're there isn't a ton of rebounders on this team. Uh, and we'll get to the big men in a second here. Um, so yeah, big year for Joey. I think, have they named captains yet, Kyle? No, it's, it's funny. We talked to Tom yesterday and I left and I thought, oh, we should have asked about captains. Uh, but no, yeah. there's been, there's been no announcement. Um, that's, we can talk about that later because that's, that's an issue in itself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you would think that they would have that figured out right now, but his running mate in the front quarter, the small, small ball wing, whatever you want to call it, Malik Hall also entering, uh, what his fourth season of ball here in East Lansing. And he's another guy where we've seen huge flashes, uh, from him, another good shooter from outside the arc. He's a capable shooter, uh, can score in multiple ways, but, uh, you said you picked Malik Hall as, as leading scorer. Is that because of his sort of diverse repertoire on the offensive end? 
Yeah, the, the diversity and like I feel like I've seen him at his best be better than anybody else. You know, like he's got the highest ceiling and he, he just strikes me as having all the ingredients of that like Michigan State senior who puts it together and has a great year. Uh, I think you can make the case for a couple of guys um, on this team to be able to do that. But Malik Hall is at the top of my list. Uh, just um, the stuff we've seen him do um, inconsistently, um, I, I think it. I think he's capable of putting it together this year and being, um, being a guy, you know, like, like what Aaron Henry did, you know, a couple media, you know, social years and puts it together and he's the guy on the team. I, I think he can do that because like you said, I mean, he can, he's really started to hit shots from outside last year. Um, but he's also, he's got that great uh, low post turnaround jumper that is just when it, that's at his best, it's unstoppable. It's like, they'll throw it in there and everyone knows what he's going to do. And he'll do it anyway and hit the shot. And it was against Grand Valley on Tuesday, but he was doing that again. And, you know, I thought their best offense, Michigan State's best offense against Grand Valley was running it through Malik Hall, which they did in the second half after kind of a tough first half because he can, you can throw it to him in the low post. He can hit that shot I talked about, but he's also good at seeing where the defense is collapsing and kicking it out to the right guy. He kicked it out to AJ Hogard, I think twice for open threes um, when they were understandably collapsing off of AJ to help him. So he, he's got the, he got the ball handling ability. He's got the vision and he's got the low post abilities that I think that's an interesting kind of look for the offense. And then, you know, I, I guess the other big thing with him is he's, he's playing um, partially on the perimeter. I, I think it was, you know, he was kind of split um on um on tuesday but that's going to be new for him i mean he's he's got the shooting ability to be able to do that he can handle the ball well enough um defensively i think it's going to be an adjustment he's going to have to guard smaller quicker guys Uh, he was telling me in the locker room afterwards that you know he could tell that they were kind of putting him in ball screens and kind of testing his defensive ability on the perimeter um which he's still adjusting to so um that'll be an adjustment for him but um I I've liked Billy Call for a while I you know I, I there were times last year I thought he was really kind of starting to take off and then he didn't quite do it so count, count me on the bandwagon once again this year buy me a ticket Malik Hall is the leading returning scorer for Michigan State, averaged 8.9 points a game last year uh moving to the center position which is probably the biggest question mark Michigan State coming into this season uh Mati Sissoko looks like he's going to be the starting center at least at the start of the year uh junior big man all sorts of potential ranked top you know 45 ish coming out of uh, high school uh huge wingspan the athletic ability jump out the gym can block shots uh it's just about playing under control and with consistency for Mati Sissoko but we've talked about it Kyle there might not be a more important player in terms of development you know for this team considering the lack of reliable big men right I mean it it he, it could be a season long problem if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't do this, if he's not a serviceable enough, big, big, big 10, big man. Um, and no one's asking him to be all conference, but just get out there and get the job done. Um, and uh, I, I don't think they should need a whole lot of offense from him. You know, you, you look at what they did on Tuesday and it was um, basically if, if, if AJ Hogarth's driving and they're going to collapse off of him, he's got to be ready for the lob, which he was. And then he showed a the couple of things. Roll. Right. <laughs> He showed a little, uh, you know, he showed a little hook shot. He showed a little turnaround. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be hitting those over Oscar Sheboy, uh, if Oscar Sheboy plays, that is, um, or, or other Big Ten guys. But, you know, play defense, rebound, as you mentioned, not a lot of rebounders on this team. So I think they're going to want need 
um, him to get a lot of rebounds and then, and then defend um, a defend without fouling and stay in the game, which has obviously been a huge challenge for him. Uh, he's got all the physical abilities. He's a great rim protector. He, um, he he's not super tall, but he's long and he jumps well. He can block shots. Um, I, I think that the bigger challenge with him defensively is just being in the right spot and kind of understanding mm-hmm. where he needs to be and what he needs to be doing, because there's times where he looks a little lost out there and positioning's not right and, and things kind of go sideways because of that. So, you know, you're hoping in year three, a lot of practice under his belt, he's going to be a little bit better about that this year and, um, and, and can get the job done. I, I mean, Tommy Zoe's not lied about the fact that, you know, this is a big question mark. He knows this is a risk. He knows they're asking a lot of a guy who hasn't shown much, but um, you know, if they really didn't think he'd get the job done, they would have gone a different direction. So there, there's people in the building that believe he can do this, even if I know a lot of fans are skeptical. Mm-hmm. And he did look improved, I would say, in the exhibition. I know it's Grand Valley, but he did look more under control. And uh-huh. sometimes he just gets lost in those ball screens where he'll try and come out and hedge, and then he's late getting back to the big man. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. It's just sometimes his positioning and, and movement on the court needs to be a little bit more fluid. Uh, Jackson Kohler is a a very highly thought of freshman big man coming in very refined offensive game. We saw some of that, uh, in the exhibition against Grand Valley defensively, I think is where the questions are going to be for him. I thought he held his own against D2 competition, but, uh, you know, that's going to be the big question with him, but I think this is a guy, you know, considering the lack of depth, who's probably going to have to play more uh, minutes than Tom would traditionally play, you know, a a freshman big man. Uh, he's going to have to probably play though. Yeah, uh, he played, I think, 15 on um, Tuesday. Uh, or no, not quite that many. I think it was like 12 or something. But uh, he's always talking after practice on Thursday about him playing more. Uh, so, I mean, they are going to have to rely on him. And I think Tuesday just confirmed what we've been talking about really since he signed, which is um, this kind of dichotomy of incredible offensive player. He's got all the post moves, had that if you watch the game of the highlights had an amazing reverse layup where he drives the baseline and he, he just gets the ball in the basket somehow. He just got a hundred different ways. He's like getting the ball in the basket. So really impressive. And he can shoot. Um, I don't know how much they, how many threes they want him taking, but I think he's at least a threat from the three point line range. But Tom said he has the green light though, right? Uh, no, no. He said he has a flashing yellow light. Right. Um, but not a um, red light. So no, it's not a red light. And, and the flashing yellow he explained is like, if he's got an open ready shoot three, take it. Um, but he doesn't want him out there hunting threes, um, like his predecessor, um, Marcus <laughs> Although we should say poor Marcus, yeah, suffered a season yeah. ending injury and won't be able that to stinks. play his rookie season. So, um, feeling, feeling for Marcus Bingham today, but, um, yeah, and then, but that's all well and good, but can he hold his own on defense? Um, you know, athleticism, being in the right spot on the ball screens. You know, I think he's a smart kid. Um, so I think he'll be able to figure out the ball screens. It'll take him some time, but I think he'll, um, I think he'll figure that out. Um, but it's just once they're playing Jew Timmy and um, all the, all the Oscar Sheboy and all the big 10 big men, you know, is he just physically going to be able to, to, to do this and, you know, time will tell, but um it, you know, there's times where I feel like they might just have to sub, um, sacrifice defense for offense and just say, hey, this is a guy who's going to maybe give up some points, but he's going to score some too. That's not mm-hmm. that's not a that's not a equation Tom is always usually bought into, but he might not have a choice this year. So, 
Yeah, I hope he knows that because he created this roster to sort of right. have to deal with that. Uh, and then finally, Arthur, I would call him, you know, emergency big man. He's 6'10", 220 uh, out of IMG. I think he was on IMG's like what is basically like the JV team, right? So yeah. well, not a JV, but like their second team, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you look at his offer list, you know, American, Duquesne, Eastern Michigan, Vermont. But this is a guy, Tom Izzo, knowing they need a big man, he brings him in and I don't know. I suppose this is a guy, probably not this year, but I suppose this is a guy, you know, one of those diamonds in a rough that the coaching staff sees and likes their potential and think they can sort of mold them into a big 10 big, I guess. <laughs> it's funny when they brought, I remember when they brought Kenny Goins in as a freshman, um, yeah. same thing. It was like, I remember him saying freshman, he's like, Hey, we think we got something here. He's like, not going to play much his freshman year, but we think we got something down the road. And I feel like that's kind of the same message they said that he he's been better in practice than they anticipated um farther along i mean he's i think 6 11 very long um he's athletic he he was a soccer goalie growing up um so the kid can move um i do think he'll be it'll be more of an emergency basis this year but um shoot you need a a, a 6 11 guy to go in there and uh hold up his arms um and, and try to <laughs> block shots i mean he five be, fouls yeah <laughs> he's got five um, fouls but, to give but 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 he's he's a guy we could be talking about. I think in a couple of years is some big you know a steal, a find you know, or uh, I can't believe nobody else you know uh, took a chance on this kid sort of deal. Uh, and he's from mm-hmm. Jackson, so he's kind of a local connection. But um, yeah, I wouldn't expect um, wouldn't expect to see him a whole lot this year. All right, twenty minutes on Keon Coleman. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Keon Coleman was sitting behind the bench. Um, uh, during the during the game, he has a locker in the locker room. I can confirm that. Um, and, um, the, the bright side of football season going awry is that it could, uh, free up old Keon Coleman a month early. So there's my Keon Coleman analysis. Who scores first between Nick Sanders, uh, Jackson Smith and, uh, and, um, Stephen Izzo. <laughs> um, um, well, Smith's the most, um, David most Smith. Talented. I don't know why I yeah, called him Jackson. Jackson. Sorry. We're on Kohler. Um, David <laughs> yeah. Smith, I'll say take David Smith because he's the best player of the three of them. Um, but I'll tell you, you want a season long storyline. Um, Steven is always in his fourth year has not scored a basket. Um, and I think there's going to be a grassroots push to get Steven Izzo a basket before his Michigan state career is over. So I'm not sure how many, um, how many games Michigan state's going to be up 20 in the last minute to, to make that happen. But um, I think that will be, it might be the last thing on the priority list for this year, but I think it will be a thing. And Jason, is it Wittens or Whitens? Uh, good questions. I think it's Whitens. Yeah. Um, actually, that's but, you know tough thing for him. Like, he, so he he played in the exhibition last year and tore his ACL and had to sit the whole year um, after transferring from Western Michigan. So he he got a bucket the other day. Um, he he's a guy. He, he could be on the court. I mean, we're talking about mm-hmm. this thing. I think he's an emergency minutes guy. Yeah, I mean, he'll be like your like your Matt Van Dyke or, or something like that. I could yeah. see um, a guy who gets on there when there's foul trouble or, or other issues. And um, I mean, he's he played D one ball. I mean, he's he's capable. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him in some spots. All right, so that's kind of the roster uh, running down sort of expectations for for what's going to happen this year. I mean, the schedule. If you want to go more big picture here, Kyle, Michigan State, you know. I would say the, the the betting money is on them to make, you know, their 26 straight. You know, you'd be stupid to bet against Izzo for them not to make the tournament. But this schedule is absolutely insane. I mean, according to Ken Palm, you've got two top three games, Gonzaga and Kentucky, right off the jump. you got Villanova, Bama, Notre Dame, whoever the heck else they play out at the PK-80. 
Um, you know, the schedule is just absolutely brutal. And I think what Tom has said over and over again and what Michigan State fans need to prepare themselves for is that this team might not get off to a flying start. They might lose some games. I think the only schedule he's compared it to was, what was it, 03 when they had that ridiculous schedule and they tar- started like two and six. Maybe I'm getting the year wrong. But, uh, you know, Tom is known for crazy schedules, but this one is like next level. Yeah, um, I, I know he he freaked out a lot of people at media day when he said we might start one and seven. He'll be ready mm-hmm. for it. Um, I, I don't th- I don't have him starting one and seven. I, I didn't predict like game by game the whole thing, but I I did for my predictions um, kind of predict their November record, um, which I have at uh, three and six, which is a win over Northern Arizona. Um, I think they'll beat Villanova at home. I think they'll beat either Villanova or Notre Dame. I think those are two pretty close games. I'll take the home game. Um, and then I think they'll win one um, in in the PK. It's actually PKI, PK Invitational. They've like changed the name up on it. Because so oh, yeah, it's not 80 PK Well, yeah. it was PK85. It was PK80, then PK85, then PKI. So that, that tournament in Portland, I have them. It, those are so hard to predict because you don't know who they're going to play, right? Right. Um, it's going to be good teams, though. It's going to, I mean, Alabama's going to be tough. And then uh, I think it's Oregon, UConn in the second game. Like, that's a tough game. I mean, the good news is if you lose, you get easier games. So I, I have them winning one. Um, and then that gives him losing to Gonzaga, Kentucky, Alabama, Notre Dame, and somewhere else, someone else at, mm. at PKI. So it, it's going to be tough and it's going to put him behind the eight ball. Uh, but as, as we can get into, I, I think the big 10 is a little more gettable this year than it has been in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. The whole thing will just be keep making sure that the team's confidence doesn't get shot. If they right. take a couple mm-hmm. tough L's early in the season, because we've talked about, it. this is a team full of guys that aren't exactly proven and need to take a step and confidence is going to be a big thing with a lot of these guys. So they, they need to be able to weather the storm and you Twitter people, me included, you know, just keep that in mind, you know, when you're, when you're sending out those mean tweets, you know, so uh, uh, and, uh Elon's going to have that run on the ground by January. So I'm not, I'm not too worried <laughs> it's about shutting that. shop. Yeah. yeah. Tom is always about to like <laughs> send a thank you letter to Elon Musk for his elimination of Twitter. Um, so uh big picture in the big 10, Kyle, you know, I, my personal top five, I've got it. Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, but there's some other teams you could throw in there. Um, a, a conference that lost a lot of scoring. I mean, uh, a lot of production period, actually. Some a lot of guys going pro. They had what three guys going the lottery or yeah. Johnny Davis was close. I can't remember if he went in the lottery, but um, so the conference is kind of having to revamp itself. But how do you see Michigan State fitting in with some of these other contenders? You know, I actually kind of surprised myself and picked them third. Um, just because I, I was lean, I was thinking about it. I, yeah. I don't I don't love it. I don't frankly, I don't really love any team. Um, like I, I think um, I know everyone loves Indiana because they made the NCAA tournament barely last year and, and bring back guys and, and Trace Jackson Davis is, is talented, but I'm, I'm, I'm so in wait and see mode with Indiana because they haven't had a winning record in the conference since 2016. Um, you know, they still struggled in the big 10 last year and, and, you know, beat Michigan in the tournament and, and got in because of that. So, um, but I, 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 they do have a good collection of talent. Um, I, I like, Illinois additions. I think they might be the most talented team. They got a couple of good freshmen coming in, including um, Ty Rogers from Grand Blank. Um, mm. And then 
get the other Terrence Shannon and Terrence Michael Ch- Mayer. Yeah, those are the two, you know, from Texas Tech and Baylor. So I, I mean, as Tommy has always told us repeatedly all preseason, you, you never know how the how the high end transfers are going to go, right? I mean, sometimes sometimes they're a great fit and they're Kenneth Walker in, in basketball and, and you're taking off. And sometimes you get a good collection of talent on paper and it just doesn't it doesn't work the way you thought it was going to. But I think Brad Underwood's a good coach. Um, and I think he's been good about kind of molding these rosters together and, and coaching and playing style to his strengths. So I, I have Illinois um, as my number one team, followed by Indiana. Um, and I guess I'm picking Michigan State after that. Um, I mean, it's hard to pick them over Michigan because Michigan's got um, – like I – I picked Hunter Dickinson as my Big Ten player of the year. I like him more Same. than Trace Jackson Davis personally. Same. Um, um, but, you know, I, I do question around him if they've got enough pieces around him to really be a Big Ten title contender. But they're definitely in my top five, top three. And then, I mean, I guess Purdue. I mean, Zach Eady. Um, <laughs> again, it's like, it's like they lost their back so much court's star unsettled power. too. Yeah. What, what's that? I said their backcourt is unsettled too. Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of unsettled. And I guess I just do that because I trust Matt Painter to have one of the same. top five. Where, you know, where if he's got a big man that's that good, I trust Matt Painter to have one of the top five best teams. And that's really all the analysis I can give you really on that. Um, so I guess that's my top five. Um, I, I think Ohio State could be good. Um, and and maybe some other teams can sneak up there. Iowa, who knows? But to your point, I mean, if you look at the Ken Palm's preseason, Indiana's 12, so they're kind of like the outlier, but you, you mentioned the skepticism with Iowa. I mean, other than that, you've got Jumble City, you know, t- Iowa right. at 23, Purdue at 25, Michigan at 26, Michigan State at 31, Ohio State 32, Illinois 33, you know? So, like, yeah, who the heck knows, man? The, the Big Ten might not have a, a true elite team. I think by the end of the year they will have what most consider an elite team, but it's hard to say where it's coming from. If you're going to talk about surprise teams, I think a team that, you know, maybe not not necessarily a team that's going to threaten to win the conference, but a guy, a team that could sort of maybe like come out of nowhere and maybe compete in the middle and maybe sneak into the NCAA tournament. I kind of like Penn State. I, I think I Mike, thought you were going to say to have Penn State there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Michael Shrewsbury, you know, he's a defensive minded coach. They were, I think they were allowing the least amount of points in the league last year. And that allowed them to stay in the game. They have veterans coming back with Seth Lundy and miles dread, who I swear have been in state college for 26 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they have like their best recruiting class ever. So uh, they have a transfer who was an all time uh, or two time colonial athletic all conference player. So I kind of like just the collection of experienced uh, more talented guys that Penn state seems to have. So they would kind of be my sort of under the radar team. Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, but I, you know, last year, Michigan state was pretty good in the, they won 11 and two in the preseason. Um, they got to, I think 13 and two or 14 and two, and then just kind of started to tank. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see this team kind of doing the opposite. Um, I mean, the, the, the last two have been the ones that kind of, um, um, they, they kind of haven't finished well, but I think this team has enough experience, a better point guard play. And I, I don't think the big 10 is going to be the meat grinder that it was. So um, I, I think we'll, I think I could see this team kind of getting back to, um, to kind of the time is model of, you know, tough November, get it together, be playing better towards the end of the year. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. 
Iowa with Chris Murray is another team to watch uh, that could come out of there. But uh, we're we're that's going to do it. I think we got unless there's anything else, Kyle. I think we've we've uh, covered this pretty well between our you know mentioning basketball and football pods, and we just ran through every player on the team. So season starts on Monday. It's not on Tuesday because of the election. So Northern Arizona coming to the Breslin Center. The game is on BTN Plus. So if you if you bought that for um, the Grand Valley game, make sure you keep it. And also, as Kyle likes to remind you, don't forget to cancel or you will get that fun little $10 charge, which happens to me every the big, year. The Big so. Ten does not need any more of their money, your money than yeah. they already have. Yeah, we saw that TV deal, Big Ten. <laughs> we saw that TV deal, but uh, should be fun. Kyle will be there on Monday, and uh, he's also heading out to the aircraft carrier game, so that'll be really cool. Um, but if nothing else, Kyle, that Michigan State is going to be in the news early in the season because just simply because of who they're playing. So, um, you know, they'll get some attention. They'll get some attention and like they could they could steal one of those games by surprise. I mean, we talked about last time Gonzaga just got killed by by Tennessee. I think they look more vulnerable than we thought. Um, Oscar Sheboy and I think Severe Wheeler was out um mm-hmm. f- from their game. So Tennessee, so Kentucky has I think Kentucky could could be really, really good this year, but I think they've got some early injury questions. So um who knows? I mean, they could they could steal one of those early ones and, and kind of be one of the talks of college basketball too. Did you see Kansas was losing to Pittsburgh State last night, like 20 I did, to 6? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even so, check, check later. I assume they came back and won, right? I, I assume so, too, because okay. I feel like what I heard about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's going to do it for our uh, Michigan State basketball preview edition of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast to be appreciated. Our work is on MLive.com slash Spartans, and you know where to find us on Twitter. Get us up with any uh, questions, comments, or concerns, but appreciate everyone for listening. So for Kyle Lawson, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for listening once again to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and go for it.